Now, we are honored this morning. Uh, Greg Mott is going to speak to us this morning. I called Greg months ago and asked him if he'd be willing to speak in celebration of his friend Brian. And we just laughed about how much Brian would want to control what it is he says. I'm told that Brian called him to tell him what to say, but failed. Now, if you don't know Greg, he's a class of 92 Aggie. He's the founder of Breakaway. And uh, he is, in 2004, went to uh, Houston to pastor Houston's First Baptist Church. And most importantly, he was officiating my first, or my granddaughter's uh, dedication at Houston's First. Uh, so that was really important to us. But anyway, <laughs> my kids are now at Creekside, and there's five of them. Uh, so, Greg, we are so delighted. Thank you for honoring us with this time. Thank you. All right. Well, what a joy to be here. And let me tell you why. One, first of all, I love the Fishers. That whole family is amazing. And so let's just give them one more just to, I mean, we should be applauding all the time. It's awesome. So incredible to be able to have such a great friend as Brian. I call Brian because, you know, Brian's tremendously smart, right? So I call him and I say, what in the world is going on with this passage? And he says, this is what it's doing and this is all these different things. And so I'm able to, to learn some things from him. And we're good buddies. We talk probably one or two times a week, I guess, when we're in the car on the phone calling each other, which is just really great to be able to be here to celebrate 25 years, 26 really, um, as a family of just serving the church and serving the Lord. It's just a great, great thing. It's also great to be here at Grace Bible because Grace Bible was the church that I went to when I went to college. When I was here at A&M, this is where I went to church, which was a great thing. I met none of the academic requirements to go to A&M. I didn't have the right SAT. I didn't have the right involvements. I didn't have the right grades, but somehow in a crazy way, I ended up here at a and I remember checking the mail and I went and got the mail. We lived in these townhomes and I opened up this letter and it was from A&M and I was, it was at nighttime and under the street lights in Houston, Texas, I'm walking, reading this letter and it says, we'd like to please um, ask you if you would accept admittance to Texas A&M. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I started running faster and faster and faster until I finally ended up home. I busted through the door. I jumped on my mom's bed. She was laying in bed and I started bouncing on the bed going, hullabaloo, connect, connect, hullabaloo, connect, connect. And she was like, what in the world are you talking about? And she's a tea sipper. Okay. So this was really interesting as a longhorn. And so at that moment though, I didn't realize my life was about to drastically change. Had no idea that a little Bible study would become breakaway. I had no idea that I'd meet my wife, who's right here as well, Kelly, and then my son and Valerie to come along years and years later um, as, as my son and my daughter. I had no idea that I'd walk into Grace Bible Church. Somebody said, you ought to go to Grace Bible Church. And it was back in the days, some of you all remember, across the street on an overhead projector in the college gym room, and then walking across uh, the little yard to go there and to be able, I want you to know, I want to thank you, Grace Bible Church. I want to thank you. I was one of those college students that filled the room right now that sat there in that place taking notes, being a part of what God was doing. And I want you to know that my family, we would not be the same without this church. The church I'm pastoring now would not be the same without your influence in my life. And so I just want you to know how special grace is to us. My son, who's 17 now, was dedicated on this very stage right here. My wife was baptized um, in Grace Bible Church uh, with Pastor Dwight baptized my wife. Just amazing, amazing history that we have here. So to be able to stand here 
and to be able to share God's word with you is awesome. So here's what I want to do. I want to honor Brian, but I want to glorify Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to honor Brian. I want to glorify Jesus. And that's an important distinction because he called me and he said, I don't want you to talk about me at all. Don't mention anything about me. And I told him we're good enough. And I said, no way. I'm talking about you a ton. So I thought about entitling the message, the greatest man besides Jesus that I know. And then I thought that might be a little bit much. So then I thought, well, that's not going to work. And then He'll be embarrassed about that. And so, and, and you know, I'm, and it's, it's awesome, but he's a human being. And then I started thinking about all these different things. But then I started thinking about Brian. Well, who, who is Brian? Who is Tristy? Who is this family? They are difference makers in your life and my life. They're difference makers. They've been used to make a difference in your life. And we've been going through this at, at our church previously, thinking about what it means to make a difference. And when I think about making a difference, I think of these guys right here that they are difference makers. And what they want you to know is that you can make a difference with your life as well. God has incredible, incredible things for you. So I wanna weave together some biblical qualities that I see in Brian that then you can look to your under shepherd, your earthly shepherd here in this church and say, I wanna be like that. I wanna walk like that. So we're going to look at these biblical qualities, four things that I'm going to show you. And these four things I see lived out in Brian's life, in Tristy's life, in their family's life. These four things are great things. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And as we look at this, it's a famous passage. I love this passage of Scripture. You're going to get a lot out of it. It's a great thing. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter six, verses one through nine, all right? So here we go. We're gonna hit verses one through four first, and then we're gonna jump in a little bit further after that. So here we go. In the year of King Uzziah's death, and I hope that you've got a pen and you'll write some things down. That's 739 BC is when that happened. King of year, the year of King Uzziah's death, he died. I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, and they each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, humility. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew, and they called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. Or the way I first memorized it, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Here's the first thing about being a difference maker. Write it down if you're taking notes. The first step about being a difference maker, and I see this in the fishers, is this. Difference makers are amazed by the Lord. Difference makers are amazed by the Lord. Students, you wanna do great things and you will. But the first place that it begins is being amazed by God. Not like kind of, uh-huh, yeah, God's all right. Amazed by God. Here's what happens in many of our lives when we spend a lot of time at church. And let me tell you what, I spend more time at church. Brian spends more time at church than anybody on the planet, all right? I'm there six days a week because my kids go to school there too. We have a church school. So, or one of my, my daughter does, my son's now in high school. We don't have a high school, but to be able to go there all the time, I'm thinking church all the time. I go to as many church services in a week as most people go to in a month if they're amazing church members, all right? And so we can begin to, instead of being amazed by the Lord, here's what can happen. We can begin to be underwhelmed by the things of God. 
Instead of overwhelmed, underwhelmed, we begin to be a, a jeweler with diamonds, a banker with $100 bills. The things of God are so familiar. The songs of Christ are so familiar. The words of the Bible are so familiar. The Christian music we listen to is so familiar. We begin to be underwhelmed. And what it's saying here is Isaiah was amazed by God. Absolutely amazed by the Lord. So amazed that he calls the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, 12 times in just 39 chapters of Isaiah, 1 through 39. 14 times he calls him the Holy One of the Lord, uh, the Holy One of Israel in chapters 44 through 66. So this moment rocked Isaiah's world. He was amazed by God. He saw him for who he was. What was it? High and lofty, seated on a robe, on a, seated on a, on a throne with the train of his robe filling the entire temple. Imagine a bride that the train of her gown would fill this entire room. Now imagine God with the train of his robe filling the entire temple. Angelic beings around him, a seraphim, it means a burning one. They're only mentioned in the Old Testament here, this passage, that's the only time they're mentioned. Then in, in Revelation, we get another time where a six-winged creature is calling out, holy, 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 and they believe that that would be a seraphim as well. But this is the only time we see that word. It means burning one, burning one, that they're covering their face in humility. They're covering their feet in respect, six wings, and then they're flying with the next set of wings, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the holiness of God. I learned in this very church that God's holiness is his primary attribute. Learned it right here in these seats. Blew my mind. I always thought love was his primary attribute. God is love, but it's not called the love Bible, is it? It's called the Holy Bible. Not called the love spirit, it's called the Holy Spirit. You don't ever see love, love, love in the scriptures, but you do see holy, holy, holy. Why? Because from his holiness comes his love. And from his holiness comes his grace. And from his holiness comes his wrath even. From his holiness comes his justice, his holiness. So the angels come around him and they say, holy, holy, holy. Three times for a tremendous emphasis to say this is absolutely amazing. And they are awed and blown away by God. Awed and blown away by God. Are you and I amazed by God? The quality that you see in your pastor is this. He's amazed by God. And that's what makes the messages amazing when he presents them. It's amazed by God. What would it be like to see God? Just to see a bit of God is amazing, isn't it? To see the Grand Canyon, to see the mountains, to see the Aggie band march in, right? I mean, all these things, right? It's amazing to see these things. Just to see a piece, a touch of God amazes us, blows us away. What would it be like to see God? To see God. I want to show you a video clip. It's a video clip of a man that is colorblind and he's going to put on glasses that allow him to see color for the first time. And I want you to particularly watch his amazement. And I want you to in particular watch him look and see the color of his children's eyes for the first time. Let's watch this. Tell me if good. Is it really different? Oh. Okay, girl. 
There's his flowers we got for him. Are they all planted? No, we just put them there because it's winter. <laughs> Look at your kids' eyes, Petey. They're so pretty. powerful to see color for the first time but what's it like to see the God who created color what's it like to see the Lord with your very eyes not just your kids or a coat Isaiah was amazed by the Lord and the first step of a difference maker is to be amazed by God to be amazed just start there this week be amazed with what you see pick out a color even if you want to and say I'm going to just see everything that God made that's green I'm just going to watch and I'm going to see it afresh and I'm going to be able to look. Instead of being underwhelmed by the things of God, I'm going to be overwhelmed by the truth of the gospel and the good news that God loves me and he sent his son Jesus and I have an opportunity to trust him as my savior so that one day I'll stand in heaven and I'll see God and I'll know him as I am fully known. What an amazing thing. So what do they do? They begin to praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is right there and the the train of his robe is filling the temple and it begins to shake the foundations. It says in verse four, it says, and the foundations of the doorway shook. Praise has the power to shake the foundations. Praise has the power to shake the foundations. So they call out and they say, Lord, you're holy. And it shakes the foundations. That's how change comes in our world. As people begin to praise and lift up and to say, God, not just singing songs, but living a life that is amazed by God and saying, we are amazed by you. The second step of a difference maker, if you're taking notes, is to realize the difference between God and man. So the first thing is that we would be awed by God. The second thing is we'd realize I'm different than God. God isn't just a superhuman. He isn't just some Marvel Comics character. He isn't just somebody that got bigger and better. He is God and God is a completely other moment. And I am amazed by him. And there's a difference between me and God. Look at verse five. Then I said, woe is me for I am ruined Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. He sees God and he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Let me just jump in our world just for a second. Here's the correct order of seeing sin. Here's the correct order of humility. Woe, I am a man of unclean lips. Problems with me. And I live among a people of unclean lips. But what have we done in this 24-hour news cycle? We like to complain about the people without acknowledging ourselves. So we want to call out the politicians. We want to call out all the commentators. We want to call out all the problems. We want to point all the fingers out here. And we don't want to remove the plank that's in our own eye and say, wait a minute, let me start with me. Let me be a difference maker. Let me be one that steps forward to make a huge difference. And that's what's so great about being a pastor. I can say from my own heart and say from Brian's heart as well. Do you know where messages begin? Messages begin in the study. Messages begin in the quiet time. Messages begin in the times with the Lord. So it's important as you give your pastor and as my church gives me to be able to give us time to be with God because it's got to first come with our lips and then be able to be declared to the crowds. And when the ministry gets flipped around, when you're on the stage and you're not in the quiet times, you got a problem. You got a problem. 
See, God's got to do something in you before he can do something through you. And I've got this phrase that I say, and it's so true with Brian and Tristy and their whole family. It's this, I want to live better than I preach. There's a lot of people that preach better than they live. You got to live better than you preach. And that's what he's saying. Woe to me. Lord, start with me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yes, does America have problems? Of course we do. We always will. It's just part of being on planet earth. But where does it start? The answer starts from Americans, right? And we would even say, take it back another notch to Christians and to say, now let's walk in these ways. So Isaiah says, woe is me. I need to look at my own heart. I need to understand what's going on in my own life because God is holy. He's holy and we're not. That's a huge difference. I did a little uh, uh, thing here. I, I just went on my Bible program and I printed out all the times that the word holy is used in the scriptures. This is just over 14 pages of the word holy in a very, very small font over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what? This is not describing us. This is describing God. And if it does describe us and, you know, First Peter, that we're a, a holy nation and all that sort of stuff, it's because of God's work in us. So there's a vast difference between a God that's declared holy, 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 and Greg, 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 right? Now, Brian, Brian, Brian's a notch higher than Greg, 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 but it's not going to be there to be the whole thing that's all the way up there. This is 14 pages plus of the holiness that God declares. What an amazing thing. And Isaiah says, I realize I am different. I am different than God and I need God. And I need him bad. And I don't only need him, I want him. And I'm pleading for him. And so, Lord, woe is me. Come and touch my mouth. Come and touch my mouth. Why is he going to touch his mouth? Because that's where the words from the prophet are going to come out of. So, Lord, touch our lips. Let us have clean lips and clean hands and declare these things out. That's why in Acts chapter 2, we'll see in a minute, they're going to take tongs of, of flame and touch his lips. That's where it goes to Acts chapter 2 of tongues of fire to be able to declare the words of God that they heard it in different languages, known languages on the planet, to be able to hear these things and to be able to declare from the truth, purify my lips, Lord, for the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. And I want you to come out clearly. And I, so Isaiah is saying as a prophet here, that's what I want. So difference makers are amazed by the Lord. They realize the difference between God and man. Now, let me draw you to, to just a thing. We're going to be thinkers here for a second. I told you that King Uzziah died in 739. Now, here's what's interesting about 739. King Uzziah dies in 739. That is what they believe historically is the rise of the Roman Empire begins in 739. Those are the seeds of what's coming to be able to go forward like that. So Israel's on a decline and Rome is on its surge. So what's going to happen? We're going to end up with the cross of Jesus Christ because of what's beginning right here in this moment. And so in this, we've got King Uzziah. I want you to, if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn um, to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26. And let's look at how King Uzziah died. Of asking this question, difference makers realize there's a difference between God and man. That's what we're thinking about right now. God is different than man, okay? So Isaiah, or Isaiah was where we were. Second Chronicles chapter 26, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Because difference makers choose humility in the midst of success. Difference makers choose humility. Watch what happens here. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Now, you ought to just, if you're a parent, you know that's a problem just right there at the beginning, okay? 
I mean, 16-year-old becomes king. This is like, bring me a Lamborghini, okay, is what's happening here at this moment. When he became king and reigned 52 years, that's a pretty good run, 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the Lord's eyes. That's awesome, incredible. Just as his father, Amaziah, that's not the guy who invented Amazon Prime, just a whole, just kind of a thing. Amaziah had done, just as his father Amaziah had done, he sought God throughout his life, the lifetime of Zechariah, the teacher of the fear of God, what an interesting title that is. During the time he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Let me tell you some of the successes he gave him. He gave him battle successes. He gave him farms. He gave him armies. He gave him all different things. And now let's look at verse 15. Just skip a few verses. Verse 15. He made skillfully designed devices in Jerusalem to shoot arrows and catapult large stones for use on the towers on the corners. So he's inventing military equipment. So his fame spread even to distant places. Now, this is key. For he was wondrously helped until he became strong. But when he became strong, he grew arrogant and it led to his own destruction. He acted unfaithfully against the Lord, his God, by going into the Lord's sanctuary to burn incense on the incense altar. He's forgotten there's a difference between God and man and the priest and the king. Verse 17, the priest, Erziah, along with the 80 brave priests of the Lord, went in after him. Why are they brave? Because they're about to go tell the king, uh-uh, your mama, you need to get out of here. What are you doing? So they're going to pull him out of this moment. They took their stand against King Uzziah and said, Uzziah, you have no right to offer incense to the Lord. Only the consecrated priest and descendants of Aaron have the right to offer incense. Leave the sanctuary for you have acted unfaithfully. You will not receive honor for the, from the Lord your God. Uzziah, with a fire pan in his hand, offered incense and was enraged. He still didn't listen to him. But when he became enraged with the priest in the presence of the priest in the Lord's temple, besides the altar of incense, a skin disease broke out on his forehead. Here's what happened. He moved from being a leader to a leper. He moved from being a leader to a leper. Why? Because in his success, he became arrogant and he didn't realize there's a difference between God and man. Now, also a little uh, difference here. The priest, the priest come in to get him and he didn't realize that the priest, they're the ones that are to be offering up the incense, not the king. He says, no, I'm going to do it. I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. You know what is so great about Grace Bible Church? You know what's so amazing about this place? Here's what's amazing. You don't know it. Maybe you do. This is a worldwide changing place that has fame throughout the world. Just in Houston, down the road where I live, especially folks that have been to AM, you say Grace Bible Church, instant respect. This is a tremendously successful church. The people that have been produced out of this church, the ways that God has used this church, the things that the Lord has done in this church, the way College Station and Brian are different because of this church, the way my life is different because of this church is absolutely incredible. But this church has stayed humble. And whenever a church, this church, my church, any church, Pastor Brian, Pastor Greg, Pastor whoever, anytime that ends up becoming a little bit of a swag to it, you better look out. God doesn't share his glory with anybody. I want to be a leader, not a leper. 
I don't want to la- I don't want to lay uh, in my success thinking that somehow God owes me something and your pastor and your pastor's family has done that. They have stayed humble. They've stayed tremendous. Brian is an amazing preacher, an amazing leader, an amazing strategist, an amazing biblical knowledge in his mind. I just hope this message is actually correct is what I'm kind of hoping with him listening on the front row. But to be able to hear all these things, he stayed amazingly humble. And that's what's so great. And that's what's so amazing. And that's not what happened with Uzziah. He said, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. And he then began to be a leper. And he ends up dying, banished on his own, you know, like in his room kind of thing. Nobody around him deal. And he dies. God can do great things through you. And we can celebrate those great things. But I learned a phrase from this very church, from Rick Larson right there. You taught me this phrase. No pride, just joy. Heard that from Rick. No pride, just joy. So when God does something great and some amazing things happen, you know what I say in my heart? I've been saying it for years. Thank you, Rick, for that phrase. I I just say no pride, just joy. Thank you, Lord. Look at what you've done. Look at what God's done in these 26 years under Brian's leadership in different capacities. Look at how God has used us through all of the years and the times uh, of meeting every Sunday and all of these things. It's absolutely incredible. But we've got to realize there's a difference between God and man. This year, I had the privilege of doing two chapels. I got to do the Houston Texans chapel, um, which is great. God's really doing some neat things on the Texans. I got to do the Texas A&M chapel, which was great. So I was there and walked in, and it's all these dudes and these chapels. They all function the same, uh, whether it's NFL or it's NCAA. Everybody's very quiet, and they just sit there until you start speaking. And there's no music, and there's no really kind of like get up and go. It's just kind of they sit there, and they go, uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's it. And so you sit there, and you talk to them. Here's the difference. I'm short. When they are sitting down, they're about this tall on me, right? And I'm watching all this happen, and these coaches, and these big old players, and these huge people that are there. And let me tell you what. I understand completely the difference between them and me. I understand. There's no question I could preach better than they could preach probably, but they can do what they do a whole lot better than what, what I could do out there. I'd get killed. I literally would stand out there. I'd be like, no, 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 no. And then I'd just be dead, right? Absolutely different. And that's from the Texans or the Aggies to a human being. And they're not even, they're like, you know, superhuman kind of thing. But to be able to go from God to man, that's an incredible thing. So be amazed by the Lord, number one. And number two, realize you're not the Lord. You're not the Lord. You're not God. You and I are his servant and we have his purposes and we'll go wherever he wants us to go and live a life of surrender. A life of surrender is what we live. Now, let me give you the third thing out of four. Third thing out of four. We don't want to be people of pride. We don't want to glory in our shame. We realize God is different than us. We want humility in the midst of our success. Here we go. In the the fourth thing that I'm going to show you, it's found in verse seven. Here's verse seven. Verse seven says this. He touched my mouth and with it said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. What a blessing that God touches sinners. He took hot coal and he takes it and he touches his lips That's verse six. I should have read verse six too. The seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. So even this angelic being had to be a separated moment to take with tongs. And he takes it and he touches Isaiah's lips with it. 
What happens when God in his holiness collides with humanity? Here's what happens. When God's holiness collides with human humility, you end up with forgiveness. You end up with a touch of God. You end up with the power of God in our life. Not when God's holiness hits man's works. When God's holiness collides through an intermediary place, a burning one, a holy coal, when that intersection happens with man's repentance and humility of understanding I'm the issue, when that happens, now everything changes. So let's fast forward. What's the burning one? What's the angelic one? Even more so, the holy one of God is Christ on the cross. So when the holiness of God is way over here and the sin of man and woman is way over here, he's the hot coal right there in the middle. And he can kiss with his holiness and bring forgiveness in your life. Have you trusted Jesus as your savior? Not that you go to church, not that you kind of a nice person, you try not to use too bad of words. Have you trusted Christ and have you had the touch of God on your lips, on your heart, on your mouth, on your soul to have the grace of God? What a great name for this church. Grace Bible Church. It says it all, doesn't it? We have the grace of Christ. We learn it through the Bible and we become the people of God. That's what it's about. Has it touched your lips? I spent two summers in Asia, in East Asia, and there was this rule, eat where you can see fire. Eat where you can see fire. Why? Because it purifies, it changes, it makes food that might be dirty or mess up your stomach. It can purify all of that. So you'd always look for a place where you would eat and you could see fire. So we see fire here uh, of leading the people of, of Israel out by night. We see fire here with Isaiah. We see fire with tongues of fire at the beginning of the church. We see the purification of God. Notice that God wants to first work in them and then work through them. He wants to first work in them and then work through them. Don't miss that, students in particular. You got so much, I want to do something. I want to change the world. I want to change the world. In them and then through them. I remember when I was doing breakaway here, I'd have students come up to me every once in a while and say, I want to do what you do. And I'd kind of turn a little John Maxwell phrase on him. I'd say, do you want to do what I do or do you want to do what I've done? Big difference. Because doing what I do is really cool right now. Doing what I've done is an apartment with 12 people and me on my face calling out to God saying, Lord, would you do something? Would you give me a message? Do you know how many Saturday nights for Brian as well? We're looking at the outline and thinking, this isn't enough, Lord. I got to get in front of all those people and... I don't know if I've got enough. Lord, would you make up the difference, God? Would you do something great? Would you do something? So what we call it in my house is water to wine. You know that story where I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, we need, this is water. This just looks like water to me, Father. Would you bring wine out of this? Would you do your work? Because I need you to make a change. I need you to make a touch. I need you to make an impact. I can't do it. Difference makers, here's our third point. Trust in a graceful touch. Difference makers trust in a graceful touch. That's what happened. 
when they touch their lips. So I'm trusting, even in this very moment, on a graceful touch of the Lord. My kids can give testimony and tell you that Saturday nights you open up my office at home and typically you're going to find dad on his face looking at this message saying, dear Jesus, help me. I need some help here on this. Water to wine so that Kelly, my wife, will come up to me sometimes after the message and it'll, it'll go well and she'll just look at me and she'll say, we'll get in the car and she'll just look at me and say, wine, wine. I don't know if that's a hard moment for a pastor's wife. She's just had a big day and she's like, wine. I, these people are driving me crazy. Wine. And I'm like, I, we can't really do that. You know I mean? That's not going to work like that. And let me just tell you, just I say that as a joke, but let me tell you what, it's hard to be a pastor's wife. And you got a great pastor's wife in Tristy. And my church has got a great pastor's wife in Kelly. Sometimes it's harder to be the pastor's wife than it is to be the pastor. Now, people ask you questions in the hallway you have no clue about. Here's what we say. Would you ask your plumber's wife how to fix the sink? I mean, why would you, you know, what are we going to do about? I don't know. Greg does the church stuff. I just, I'm just here with the kids. You know, I mean, I love the Lord, but I don't know the answer to that question. It's hard to be a pastor's wife at times. And it's a blessing as well. It's a blessing. And I know this church has been a tremendous blessing to Tristy as my church. And Houston has been a blessing to Kelly. But these moments that we need, that we've got to have God change water to wine. The things of God. When did the wine happen in that story in John chapter 2? It's when they were walking in faith. The servants drew some water out. They're walking in faith. And as they walked it out, God did great things. Fourth thing, and then we're done. Difference makers model and teach a willing heart and life. Difference makers model and teach a willing heart and life. So for note takers, you can check back. Number one, difference makers are amazed by the Lord. Number two, difference makers realize the difference between God and man. Number three, difference makers trust in a graceful touch. Number four, difference makers model and teach a willing heart and life. The fishers have a willing heart and life. Let's see that in the scriptures. It's verse eight. Here's what it says. Famous, famous verse. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, it's coming from the Lord, ask, who should I send? Who will go for us? And here it is. And I said, here I am, send me. You got a big choice in your life. Is your phrase in life gonna be, here I am, send them? Or here I am, send me. Big missions church right here. I got a heart for missions in this very church. Let me tell you what, you got four choices with missions. And really, with Christianity, you're either giving, going, praying, or disobeying. Those are your four choices. Giving, going, praying, or disobeying. That's the only choices. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Send my giving, send my praying, send my going. I want to be a part of what God's doing in this amazing time, in this amazing place. And let me tell you what, I've seen Brian's hand, Tristy's hand, their family's hand, lifted up saying, I want to go, send me, I'll do it, I'll go for it, I'll spend the long hours, I'll spend the long times, I'll spend all the, the, the effort and the energy to be able to, to go, and I'll say, Lord, send me, here I am, I want you to send me. Let me just tell you, my son went on a trip with Grace Bible Church, um, went to El Salvador. Some of y'all were on the trip, we've seen some folks even in this place. Let me show you a couple pictures just of the Fisher family saying, here I am, send me. Heading out to El Salvador to help build stuff, go do stuff, make a difference with stuff, to just see as we just roll through a couple of these pictures. Send me, Lord. Send me. No, I'm only preaching in big places. No, send me, God. I'll help in the smallest of places. I'll walk with you, God. You do your work in my life. Here I am, send them, or here I am, send me. 
You could probably tell this difference makers things pretty deep in me. And I'll tell you why. I wanted to put biblical principles next to characteristics I see in your pastor's family. And put those two things side to side. So you could have a you could have a modern day parable, if you will, as we celebrate these years. That there are people that are amazed by God. They understand the difference between God and man. They've received a graceful touch and they are saying, here I am, send me. We have this declaration that we do at our church and we literally will stand up and it's a difference maker's declaration and we'll say it all together. And it's it's almost to the point we put our hand on our heart. We haven't got that far yet, but we say it with everything we got. Here's what it says. I was made for more than watching. I have a history changing, difference making, spirit empowered legacy to leave. Jesus, I ask you that you would work deeply in me and clearly through me as I pray, give, and go in your love. I am a difference maker in Jesus' name, amen. And we say that, we declare that, and that is who your pastor is. And that is who your pastor's wife is, your pastor's kids. That is who this church is, is difference makers. Close with this last thing. And this, this is, uh, I think, going to be particularly special um, for me, I know for sure, but I, I hope also for Brian. I have a book that's coming out June 1st. It's called Difference Makers. We'll shoot the cover up there so you can see the context. That's coming out June 1st. In the dedication, I've dedicated this book to Brian Fisher. That's what's in the front of this book, Brian. There's two Brian's in my life that make a tremendous difference in my life that I talk to every week. One of them is my cousin Brian, B R Y A N Brian. He lives in Louisiana. And so in the book it says this at the very dedication it says, "I would like to dedicate this book to two Brian's who have been longtime difference makers in my life. Your listening ear when you have plenty on your own plate is a blessing." So one is my cousin and then I say this. Brian Fisher, my fellow pastor and friend, You are a great encourager and source of insight and biblical perspective. Every pastor needs a buddy to call during sermon prep and say, am I seeing this passage correctly? Whether we talk theology, church, family, or Jeeps, because he's got a Jeep and I got a Jeep, (laughs) I'm always inspired. I'm grateful to both of you, Brian's, for the difference you're making in my life and my family's life. And so, Brian, I tell you, when June 1st, when that comes out, in the dedication page, I've dedicated it to you because you are a difference maker in a tremendous way. And you being a difference maker in the ways that you are, and Tristy and your kids as well, Ben and Anna Joy, with all of them together, have enabled thousands of people as we have more services today, have more campuses today, have more people out on the field today, all of that. Thousands of people because you were amazed by God because you knew that there was a difference between you and God, because you had a graceful touch of the Lord on your lips so that you could speak to the rest of us, so that you could be a person that says, here I am, send me. Thousands of us are in your wake, and I'm one of them. And we appreciate you, and we love you. Take the focus off of Brian for just a second and put it back on Jesus. Jesus wants to use you as a difference maker. He wants you to take these four steps and he wants you to be used in your home, your school, your office, your workplace, your dorm, your apartment, your wherever you are to be a difference maker for God. And you know what's great? Brian's done amazing things. This church has been done amazing things and God wants to do 
amazing things through you as well. That's what he wants to do. And you know what will happen? You'll see the Lord move in a great way. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you walking with him? I mean, walking with him. I'm not talking about showing up at church. Walking with God. If not, in this moment, in this prayer, I want you to take a step with me. Because God wants to use you. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that for those of us who, who know Jesus as Savior, that the lips of us have been touched, Father, in a powerful way. God, I thank you, Jesus, for 30 years ago now, of being crammed into a gymnasium with metal chairs and an overhead projector and the teaching I received in those formative years of my life. I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for what you've done. And we know that this is a difference-making place. So, Father, may we not just see color. May we see the God of color and may it amaze us. Lord, we tell you we need you. And we trust you. Do your work, God, and we give you thanks for the fishers. We honor them today, but we glorify God. And we see these attributes in their life. And we want to follow Christ as we follow Brian as the pastor of this church. We love you. Take a moment right now. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you've never had that touch of the cross you just pray and say, Jesus, I, I want your forgiveness. Woe is me. I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to wash me clean of my sins. If you know Christ as your Savior, would you just pray just to whisper to him, Lord, I want to be a difference maker. Tell him, here I am, send me. Just before the Lord, if you are a person and you're saying in your heart, here I am, send me, I want to be a difference maker. I just, before the Lord, I just want you to just raise your hand before God. Just as a, as almost like a roll call. Here I am, send me. If that's you, just raise your hand right now before God. I want to be a difference maker, God. Raise my hand before you. Use us, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, man, this has been an incredible time to be with us. I'm so glad to be able to share with you here. I'm glad I changed my message from the the greatest person besides Jesus that I know. Uh, I think it worked out better to go with difference makers. Now, here's what's going to happen is in just a second, I'm going to say go, and then you're going to stand up and you're going to chat with the people around you and all that sort of stuff. But then you're going to go right through those doors um, to the fellowship hall. And that's where in that place, the Fisher family's in there and they love to greet you. And you go hug their neck, tell them something special specific and sincere of what God's done in your life through them and allow you to just encourage them and give them those kind words. So you ready? Everybody stand up. Let's give a cheer one more for the Fisher family. And let's head in there to hug their necks.